us. You're good, Jesus. Please teach us. In your name, amen. Good evening, everyone. Uh, I'm David. I'm one of the elders here, and as of fairly recently, I am part of the West End core team as well, which is a group of people, and we're leading various different aspects of this church. My role is creativity and design. And it's a brand new role, as are the core teams, but in fact, we didn't even envisage having creativity and design as a specific role at the start. I was originally supposed to be doing communications, uh, but I realized fairly quickly that as someone who seems completely incapable of posting something on Instagram with any more frequency than every six months or so, I wasn't really the best person to keep you guys informed about what's going on here, so I was stripped of all social media responsibility and the title was renamed Creativity in Design. Um, so it's okay, you're safe. You're still gonna hear about what's going on. Today I wanna take the opportunity to set out just the start of what I think it might mean for us to be a church of creative people, a church of creators, and the biblical basis that I see for creativity in our church. And my one hope for tonight is just that you will begin to maybe be as excited as I am about what God has in store for us here and maybe start to join with him on that journey of being creative and of using all of our God-given creativity for his kingdom. I've titled this uh, message, A Manifesto for a Creative Church, which sounds deliberately grand. Uh, I didn't have a title for it for ages, and last minute I gave us this title because I thought manifesto just sounded pretty cool. Um, When I was a student, I had this book called 100 Artists Manifestos, and I got really into it. And so at the start of every uni project, I'd write down my manifesto for the project, and I'd start my presentation, my tutorials, by reading this manifesto, declaring it in front of everyone. Um, I was a bit intense. So hopefully I won't be quite like that tonight, although I have written things down that I'm going to read to you, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. Hopefully that I, I can assure you over the next 25 minutes, half hour or so, that... Creativity and design and rehope isn't about looking cool. It's not about marketing. It's not about having an amazing Instagram grid to lure in the masses and get them involved. Um, I think at the heart of it all, rehope is a relevant church and a, a church that's beginning to see amazing fruit in this city, not because we have a humongous screen or a nice font, but actually because we're seeking Jesus because we're praying together, because we're digging deep into the Bible and getting good teaching on it, and because we're going on this journey, pursuing this journey of loving each other better and loving our city better. And uh, we're not relevant because of our image, but we can do everything possible to point better towards those core things that I just mentioned. My background is kind of more predominantly in visual creativity, uh, art and illustration and architecture. But as we dive into our study, let's first of all take a a step back maybe from from just that aspect of things. I have that one creative niche that I automatically go to in my mind, so maybe you have the same. But creativity can apply to so many different aspects of our lives. How we interact, how we work, how we worship, how we cook, how we relax, so many different parts of our culture. So although visual arts are at least for me much easier to grasp in this context, let's try and keep in the back of our minds a broader view of what creativity can mean and how to apply it. Okay, let's dive in. Part one, I've called this image bearers. 
So reading from Genesis chapter one, just a short snippet to start off with. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. In this first part here, I want to lay out how we are all creative, how we're all participants in this vision for Rehope as a creative church in the West End. In the way that I think we often can categorize ourselves, um, maybe it's because of the jobs that we have or the things that we do, our backgrounds, uh, we can have these boxes for ourselves. Either we're a creative person or we're not a creative person. Some people are, some people just aren't. Um, advertising, that's a creative thing to be doing, right? Um, a poet, any poets here? No? Oh, one, okay, two, probably a bit too creative, watch out for them. Um, a bin man, not particularly creative. An accountant, they should probably avoid being too creative. In fact, um, Actually, we, we can avoid the term creative in our society. I find that as a sort of person involved in creative industries, I actually avoid, avoid calling myself creative or even worse, a creative, uh, because people find that pretty obnoxious. Um, I was listening to this podcast the other day. As an aside, my wife Anna has outright banned me from starting more than one story per day with the phrase, I was listening to this podcast. Um, Apparently, she's bored of hearing awesome facts about <laughs> squirrels and cheese and the Dewey Decimal System and American tax codes. It's all good stuff. Um, but this one story doesn't count because it was a podcast that she introduced me to, so I can get away with saying anything I want. It's uh, called The New Activist by International Justice Mission. And basically, they interview people from various different sectors and backgrounds uh, who are involved in some way at the intersection of faith and justice. Uh, I'm listening through the back catalog at the moment, really, really enjoying it, highly recommend it. Uh, so anyway, in this particular podcast, they're interviewing this guy called Andy Crouch. And he started off studying linguistics, went on uh, to be an author. He's written a lot about uh, creativity and faith and power and justice, and he's been involved in various different ministries. Um, but in his podcast, he was saying this. So as language-speaking human adults, which I think most of us here are, um, we've all inherited a distinct set of words that we work with, right? We've got vocabulary. And alongside that set of words, we have a set of rules which govern those words. We've got syntax and we've got grammar. And those things are finite resources that we use as language to express ourselves. We don't really get to change it, right? We don't really get to add to it, at least not by ourselves. You could have a go at making up some new words, but chances are it's not gonna go very well for you. It's not gonna catch on. We've got these limited resources, yet despite this, and linguists have kind of modeled this out and proven it, each of you will at some point in your life have said a sentence which is utterly unique, not only to you, but within the history of language, within the history of mankind, you have said something that no one has ever thought of saying before. Now, hopefully it wasn't because you sneezed mid-sentence or mashed two words together by accident, but that simple example is just a little demonstration that you are perhaps much more creative than, than you think right now. You're fundamentally a creative being. Let's look at these words again right from the first page of our Bibles. 
So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. So a huge question that we're presented with here is, well, what then is the image of God? And that's a massive question, and it's a huge study with loads of complexity because it's basically to answer the question, well, what is a human? What does it mean to be a human? But looking even at this first page of the Bible, there's answers here, there's answers here. What is the number one picture that we're being given in the biblical narrative so far of God? When we're presented with this phrase, so God created man in his image, what's the number one image that we're being given of God so far? As Andy Crouch, that guy from the podcast, he puts it, splashed all over the page is God's purposeful and energetic desire to create. That's basically the whole story so far. When we read these words in Genesis, that's all really that's happened. We're in the middle of the creation story. It's the number one image that we're getting of God. So this is how Andy Crouch puts it again. So when human beings, male and female, are created in God's image, surely the primary implication is that they will reflect the creative character of their maker. We're each made in the image of God. And a big part of that fundamentally is that we are creative too, whether you feel that or not right now. That is your identity, it's how God has made you. And we get to participate in what God is doing around us in his grand project of continuing creation. So I've, I've tried to mold this into our first vision phrase. For us as a creative church to be a body which allows and encourages everybody's God-given creativity to flourish. And how do we do that? Well, number one, just restoring each other as image bearers of God. To be who God made us to be, to reflect him better. That's how we can be creative. A huge part of restoring each other as image bearers is the projects that we're actually already doing week on week here at Rehope that we're already dedicated to, and it's developing more godly characters in ourselves and in each other. Creativity, in fact, without godly characters where we can begin to see things go wrong. In fact, when we're creative without that godly character, suddenly we find that we have the capacity uh, for unexpected evil and chaos. So a kingdom imagination, a human who properly bears the image of God as they were made, needs to abide with God so that the creativity can flourish and be life-giving as it was meant to be from day one, or actually from the creation account from day six. Jesus, the perfect image bearer of God, he puts it like this, remain in me and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. John 15, Jesus, who was the perfect example of what is to reflect God, of what is to be human, said if we abide in him, then our creativity can flourish. We can be who we're made to be. Let's move on. Part two, chaos waters. Let's go back a little step further in the Bible, literally the opening words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good. 
And God separated the light from darkness. God called the light day and he called the darkness night. Evening came and then morning, the first day. Then God said, let there be an expanse between the waters, separating water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water from under the expanse from the water above the expanse. And it was so. God called the expanse sky. Evening came and then morning, the second day. Now we're probably really familiar with this passage, but there's actually a really strange image going on here, a really strange metaphor that we're being introduced to. And whether you take this whole creation account as metaphorical poetry or whether you take it completely literally, this is still something important to catch, I think. These waters that we're being introduced to, we're maybe not familiar with it, but it's a common metaphor, a common image for ancient Jews in their culture. Let's go through it bit by bit. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Now what are these waters? It's a little bit strange. But this is the metaphor that we're being introduced to. The abysmal depths, the chaos waters. They're a repeating image throughout the Bible and they're right here on page one. And for an ancient Jew, it would have represented danger and destruction, the potential for chaos. And we are kind of a bit removed from that image now in modern life. Maybe the potency of it is lost a little bit unless you're an Alaskan crab fisherman in the deadliest catch. I don't know about you, but the Clydes and Loch Lomans, they don't really strike fear in my heart at the mention of their names. But in ancient Jewish culture, this was a common metaphor. The deep water was turbulent, dangerous, unpredictable. And so what does God do about this turbulent, dangerous, untamable force at the start of creation? Well, let's skip forward to the second day of the creation story. Then God said, let there be an expanse between the waters, separating water from water. So God made the expanse and separated water under the expanse from the water above the expanse. And it was so. God called the expanse sky. Evening came and then morning, the second day. It's a strange picture, right? And it's kind of hard to engage with. But what is going on here is the image of God holding back the chaos waters. These waters, which to the readers back then would have represented danger and death potentially. At the start of creation, God is pushing them aside to create a space of calm that he can then go on to make the rest of his creation in over the, over the following days and the rest of the creation account. And ultimately, it's within that expanse, that space that he creates between the chaos, that he makes us, that we live and thrive. In Job chapter 38, we get another image of the chaos waters. They're right the way through the Bible, but here God declares it himself in this totally awesome way. Who enclosed the sea behind doors when it burst from the womb, when I made the clouds its garments and thick darkness its blanket? when I determined its boundaries and put its bars and doors in place, when I declared you may come this far but no farther, your proud waves stop here. It's only after holding back the chaos waters that the rest of God's creation was able to survive, to develop and to flourish. Now if you're anything like me, um, when you hear the words 
church and creativity too close together, maybe certain things come to mind. For me, it's uh, nice, soft pastel colors, probably with some encouraging calligraphy words over them, or maybe a handprint tree in Sunday Club. Um, maybe for you, I know for me, it can come across as a little bit pretty, a little bit kind of saccharine and cliched. But actually, the church being creative, even in those ways, like I'm all up for some calligraphy and I do love a good handprint tree. Even in those ways, acts of creativity by God's people, by his church, are an incredibly powerful acts of resistance against chaos and destruction. Life in our fallen world has let some of that chaos back in, right? We experience it day to day. Life is noisy, it's messy, it's dangerous, it's distracting. Maybe you feel, for you, it's been punctuated by disappointment, by loss or confusion. But God is a God that we see here right from page one who's able to hold back the chaotic waters so that there's a space of peace. So there's a space of peace for us to thrive in and to be creative in. My vision for us as a creative church is that uh, there can be a space, right, where chaos and disorder is held at bay, where the noise that we're bombarded with every single day of our lives is held back so that godly creativity and life can flourish. How I've phrased it is our second uh, sort of creativity vision piece for us as a creative church to fill the gap between the chaos waters, that gap that God makes by pushing it back, but to fill that space with beauty and peace, not just to do nice pretty things, but as an act of resistance against chaos. Andy Crouch, the guy from that podcast again, he goes into this more in his book, Culture Making. Uh, He says this, this is an important point at a time in history when uh, creativity is often associated with the rejection of order and when artists in particular seem to try to outdo one another with provocative acts of chaos making. Let's not add to the noise or make more chaos in our world as we try to be creative. Specifically, and this is me just beginning to try and land it more practically for what I think it might mean for us as a church to apply this. I think that whatever we do in this church, in this space, artistically or musically, whatever creative endeavors we do, need to be aesthetically pushing out chaos. It needs to be fostering a place of peace and of life and not in any way introducing or partnering with the ideas or the aesthetics of destruction or chaos. Maybe you see that actually as we've renovated this place, we're just back in here for a few months now. We've tried to simplify, we've tried to make it brighter, we've tried to make it, uh, yeah, just more peaceful, more life-giving. For any artists among you, maybe what I've just said grates with you a little bit. Um, Maybe it sounds restrictive or contrived or at its worst, like some sort of creative censorship even. But I think that our specific role as a church here does need to be filling the gap that God has created between the chaos waters with something beautiful and with something life-filled and peace-filled. It's remarkable, really, when I stopped to think about it this week, that this church is even here. 
when I tell friends who aren't involved in any sort of church that there's a church here in the West End that's growing and thriving, they can't believe it. They don't know what's going on. But here, in a city which all but doesn't know God, in a culture which is becoming more and more secular, in a neighborhood even which is full of bet shops and pawn shops and bars, God has held back the dark waters enough for this church to be here, for this church to exist. And so as we seek to be creative here together, let's not fill that with chaos and noise. Let's fill it with peace and with beauty as a resistance to all of that chaos. I've been challenged, I feel, by God to to actually take that one step further. And I don't know if this is just for me or if it's for maybe other people here who are involved in creative industries of some sort. But I feel God has been challenging me that in the work that I do, am I taking the opportunities, the creative opportunities that God is giving me, and am I using them to create peace? Am I using them to demonstrate beauty? Or am I, if I'm honest with myself, just adding a bit more noise to our culture, a bit more distraction, a bit more chaos? If you are involved in a creative industry, maybe just a bit of a challenge. Think about that, pray about that. That's something that I'm doing. Let's move on, part three, a new thing. Some words from Isaiah now. This is what the Lord says, who makes a way in the sea and a path through surging waters. Isn't that interesting? The same image of a God holding back chaotic waters. And what happens when he holds them back? Let's move on. Look, I'm doing something new. Even now it's coming. Do you not see it? Indeed, I'll make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. So we've looked a lot today already at the opening words of the Bible, literally those first few paragraphs. But you see, God didn't stop creating after he rested on the seventh day of that story. There's definitely a sense that he has withdrawn to some extent. He's not creating to the same magnitude or in the same way as he did in that creation account. But he is still moving. He is still speaking. He's still doing new things amongst us. There's definitely actually a sense that he had to withdraw because he's handed some of the act of creating over to us, his creation, and asked us to be involved and to participate in that. He declares through his, the prophet Isaiah here, uh, the same image of the chaos waters being held back and then more creation. God is saying, Luke, I'm still doing this. There's still new things coming and we as image bearers are invited to participate with the new things that God is doing around us. To be a creative church then, I think, is to be listening, to be noticing, to just be on the lookout for what God is already doing around us so that we can then throw our imagination and our creativity into the efforts as well. leads us to our next vision piece. This is how I phrased it. For us as a creative church to imaginatively, that's using our creativity, and prophetically, a bit of a scary word for some of us maybe, but that's just the look. Listen, notice what God is doing. And explore new ways of participating in God's project for us and for our city. 
Maybe uh, what I'm talking about seems a little bit vague to you. It's kind of hard to land. It's not as practical as the stuff that Brian often talks about. So I want to give you a couple of uh, my ideas, a couple of examples that I'm going to use to try and uh, work some of these vision pieces into practice. Um, you'll notice we are doing some new things around us in the church. We've got some art up for the first time, and we'll be trying different things out in this space. And I would, I would encourage you to, to be involved in that, to, if you have ideas, speak up and, and share. Um, but two of my ideas are these. The first is about how we can express ourselves to our neighbors, right? We can use creativity in the way that we share God's love beyond this place with the people around us. And it starts with something that we're already doing here, right? At the start of every single service, we have a share time. The microphone gets passed around and several of us share new things that God is doing in our lives. And so we see, we have this reminder every single service, God is on the move. God is doing new things. And there is what, I think there is four of you who shared tonight. That was cool. There is one person at the morning service here this morning, so you're totally crushing the morning service. Um, but what if, the, uh, this is something I've been thinking about for a little while. How can we uh, take that share time a little bit beyond just here? And I've got a simple idea. What if every person who shared on a Sunday got given a rock? And at the end of the service, I don't know what type of rock, um, probably a free rock from somewhere. Um, and you'll take your rock, and at the end of the service, take it to this little garden gravel strip bit next to the church, and place it down on the ground, a symbol, God answered my prayer. And next person who shared will get their rock, take it, put it next to yours or on top of yours, and service after service, week after week, month after month, maybe even year after year, we'll have this growing cairn outside our church, a participatory sculpture that we, that we all contribute to, um, representing what God is doing amongst us. And we can have a little plaque next to it, something for neighbors and passers-by to see. And maybe they won't notice it at first, but maybe over time they'll see, this thing is getting bigger, what's going on here? And it's a testament, it's a monument, a literal monument to the facts that God is doing new things. God is moving. Now that I've put that out there, I kind of have to make it happen. So it might be a few weeks before you have a rock in your hand. We'll see how that goes. But that was my first idea. My second idea is a bit more nuanced and abstract than a pile of stones. Um, but it's something that all of you can have a go at. Um, not just those of you who want to share at the start of the service. And it's to do with how we praise God. So I shared that illustration at the start about how each of you at some point during your life will have said a completely unique sentence, which kind of blew my mind when I first heard about it. But now I think about it more and more. It's kind of obvious, like I'm probably saying them the whole time. How about this week you tried to make a completely new unique sentence but as a praise to God, as a thanks to God, just in your own prayer time, in your own worship. Maybe try writing it down. I guess you won't know if you've succeeded, but God will. And I'm pretty sure he'll enjoy the process of us trying. What if you could say a prayer of thanks or praise to God that he has literally never heard before in the history of mankind? That's gonna really glorify him, I think. Just a really simple thing to give a go. If you're gonna say a completely new, unique sentence this week in the history of mankind, it may as well not be about your Morrison's shopping. It should be a praise to God.
Okay, so as we reach the end here, um, I'm going to pop the vision snippets up on the screen again. It's a starting point. This is just my thoughts, and actually one of the encouragements out of this evening, I want you guys to step up. I want you to feel empowered to be creative. I want to hear from you, if you think that's you, so that we can begin to talk and begin to express our worship and how we share our faith in different ways through this church. I want us to be better image bearers, reflecting a creative God. I want us to create beauty in the face of chaos. And I want us to do new things alongside what God is doing amongst us. Okay, moving on to challenges. I've already given you a pretty clear challenge, so we'll start with that one. Even if until now you've not thought of yourself as creative, if that wasn't the box that you're in, if you're either a bin man or an accountant, in my analogy, try it. Just try being creative. Uh, Step into this. See if you can praise God in a way that he's never, ever been praised before. Second challenge, um, go deeper. If any of this has kind of sparked something in you, uh, there's a few really easy, interesting resources that I'd like to point you towards. First couple, I would encourage everyone, go ahead, uh, watch that thing immediately, listen to that. The first one, watch the image of God by the Bible Project. You can find it really easily on YouTube. They're guys, uh, a group of people who are making really incredibly creative, beautiful, succinct, clever videos uh, sharing truth about God and about the Bible. That one in particular has some really interesting stuff related to what I was saying here tonight. Second, listening to that podcast. And why not just subscribe to The New Activist? I'm finding it really interesting. And if you do want to take this a little bit deeper, a couple of books that I've been reading through that are so deep and have so much richness in them are uh, Facing Leviathan by Mark Sayers and Culture Making by Andy Crouch. And the final challenge, um, for those of you who are practiced and developed in some form of creativity, come and talk to me so we can form a creative vanguard here at Rehope. Come and chat to me over at the welcome station. I'll be there after the service. Uh, You can use my email as well if you'd rather do that. Um, I know that I've talked a lot tonight about us all participating in this and all being creative together. And that's crucial. That's so important, I think. But I know that some of you here are already uh, sort of in creative industries or you are pursuing certain things. Um, You're taking time and energy to develop and hone certain gifts that God has given you and certain creative expressions. And I want everyone to be involved in this, but there's definitely a sense that there's going to be a few of you who can lead us forward in that. And so I want to challenge you, be bold, step up. As we're on the cusp of this, as we're on the front end of this, step up. If you're involved in something creative, I'd love to chat to you so that we can get ideas together and lead this church forward in that. Okay. Um, in a second we're going to have a response time so I'll just invite the band back up Um, there's a few things that are going to be going on over the next few minutes as we sing and worship together there's going to be communion up at the front here if you consider yourself a Christian if you've given your life to Jesus then go ahead and make use of that you can take the bread which represents Christ's body broken for you dip it in the wine 